It's a good day to be together. Um, I did my part. It was love week wearing a red shirt. Uh, this is incredible. This is going to be an incredible week. And I know not, not everyone can participate. Uh, some, of you, some of you are just online in different states and countries and places we're not allowed to say out loud. And uh, some of you are in places and, and, and schedules that you're just like, I can't be a part of this. But all locations are invited into this. A week where we, I would say with intensity, show what we really care about. Can we just admit that? Like, like actually, like I know a lot of us would be like, here's what a church should be about. Here's what we should be doing. Well, let's see. Let's see this week. And so I want you to know the heart behind this and what fuels this. And so I want to talk to you about it, whether you can be a part of it. And, and, and I want to start off telling you some, some history. 500 years ago, for those of you who were around 500 years ago, there was a... Uh, a painter that decided to do a series of paintings, different ones, that would display what kids would do when they were playing. Uh, so I'll give you some examples. Some of them were well, a girl was playing with a doll, and he, he painted that. And another one was some kids spinning the tops, you know, with the point, and would just sit there and spin it. And, and some of you are like, when, did the, when was the painting of the iPad? That was not 500 years ago. Uh, one was a kid just playing on a fence. You remember the good old days where that was like the entertainment uh, one of them, and I think it's worth showing you, is a painting called Dethroning the King. I mean, it seems a little intense, You're, but just it's 500 years ago, okay? We got that. So, uh, and, and, and the game worked this way, where all the kids started in one spot. You ran to the top of the hill. The person at the top of the hill first was king. Everyone else's job was to remove that individual from the top of the hill. Uh, some of us remember, like, oh, I played that game. Right, nowadays we, we call it king of the hill. Uh, and if you didn't grow up doing this, I at least did it in school, uh, we would play this, and many of the girls would wonder what in the world we're doing. Why are they beating each other up? We're like, no, we're playing king of the hill. I mean, this, this, was, this was awesome, and especially when it would snow. Those were the best times, because you could, you could really throw someone really far. Uh, I mean, most of us are familiar with the game, King of the Hill. Most of us understand the concept is to get to whatever hill it is and, and then basically stake your claim, right? What we didn't know as kids, if you played it, what we didn't know was that many of us would adopt that as a way to live life. Where it would leak into how we would do our relationships. How we would do our, our thing at work. We would, we would try to be king of the hill. You probably have a friend. I know it's definitely not you, but you have a friend who, in a group setting, seems to always be trying to be king of the hill, right? And you and I know this, and the vulnerable part of this is that many of us, in our moments of weakness, uh, are trying that. In fact, uh, what I find interesting is another term that's, that's pretty popular. Uh, here, is this, is this a hill... You want to die on. Many of you have said that. It, it has some military history. There's different philosophies of where this came out of. But, but, but we know what this is about, right? Like, is this, is this a big enough deal that you're going to, like, fight for this? Like, well, think about what you give your life to right now. Think about what you're willing to uh, argue about. Think about what, what you're willing to stand up for. 
Like, what would make you actually say, no, this can't go any further, or, or no, no this, this needs to change? Think about what you would, like, okay, this, this is it. In fact, let me ask you the question. Like, what's your hill? The, the, and, and I'm not saying, like, what do you want it to be? No, like, what, what's your hill that you're giving your life to, that you're defending, that you're fighting for, that you're going after, that you're saying, oh, this is a big deal, Think about what your hill is right now. Some of you might say, well, uh, since the pastor's you know, making me do this, uh, some of you might say you know, your hill is, is your family. That's what you're fighting for. That's what you know, it, the rest of life could crumble, but you're like, nope, I, will, I refuse to let my family crumble, right? Maybe it's work. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's success. Maybe it's health. Maybe well, You see how we can all choose all different kinds of things, and, and I'm not hating on any of those. I just want you to lock on to and, and at least think inside here, like, what's your hill? And as you're thinking, Jesus had a moment. I want to share it with you. Jesus had a moment where a mom, a mom, showed up with her boys and wanted to talk to Jesus. And inside this moment, well, you'll see an example of someone's hill. Here. Then the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with her sons. She knelt respectfully to ask a favor. What is your request, he asked. Oh, just let me stop. That's why I'm only showing you, you know, a portion of this. Obviously, she's going to Jesus. I don't, I don't know what your view is of Jesus. I'll tell you he's the... Uh, Son of God, he's, he could have done anything. I mean, I know uh, the Aladdin movie, right, is out. Have you ever thought about it? Some of you, have, you've seen it, you're like, what would, I, what would I ask for, right? Can you imagine being in front of Jesus, respectfully kneeling down, and you're like, okay, I got a, I got a favor to ask, and he responds like, like, what do you want? Have you ever, you may not have thought, maybe you're just thinking about it now. Like, what would you ask for? Some of you, you're, you're Vikings fans, and you know exactly what you'd ask for. And Jesus would lovingly respond like, I can't help you. I mean, that's, that's not, it's not doable. Sorry, sorry, I'm just picking on Vikings. I can see by your faces, you're not Viking, or you are Vikings. I, no, can you, have you ever thought about if you were physically in front of Jesus, and he actually looked you in your eyes and said, so what do you want? I mean, many of us were like, oh, this is the moment. I mean, you know that. Jesus had no limits. You know that Jesus raised a, a guy from the dead and even raised himself from the dead. Jesus walked on, on water. You, you know that if you're asking, well, it reveals your hill, doesn't it? I mean, in that moment, whatever you actually land on, it reveals a lot about us. She replied, in your kingdom, which, so if you're like, maybe she's not aware that it's, it's like Jesus, Jesus. No, no, she's, she's aware of who she's talking to. She replied, in your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in places of honor next to you. Honor was especially a big deal during that time. One on your right and the other on your left. And if you don't know the details behind this, it's uh, she's saying, I would like my sons to have power and prestige, but not limited, literally, for all of eternity. Now, some of you, your, your parents, you're like, mm, that's a good one. 
That's a good one. That's a good one. But I want to go into this. Because what you just saw, you may not be aware of. It's what I would call a fork in the road. And here's, here's what the fork in the, in, in the road really looks like. If you're in front of God and he's like, what do you want? You're going to either go with a self-gratification request or a self-sacrifice request. You're going to go one way or the other. When you're actually thinking about what hill are you going to stand on? What are you going to give your life to? Like if it's, hey, I'm going to die on this particular hill. You're going to go one way or the other because are we clear that you can't go both at the same time? You're going to go one way or the other. And I'll go, I'll go where, well, where at least I've gone before. The self-gratification route. The route where like, I'm going to talk to Jesus? Well, I've got a long list here. Uh, if, you, if you live this way, though, if, if it's about you, it gets, well, your life gets very demanding. What I mean by demanding, it means that you move from self-gratification to immediate gratification. And immediate gratification is simply a symptom of our culture. In fact, we live in an environment right now that's full of where you and I are full of demands. I don't know if you ever, somebody's like, no, I'm not. Okay, 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 okay. We are getting more and more demanding. And I can tell you who is responding to your demands and my demands is the retail world. Let, let, me, let, me, let me give you some examples. On, on Mother's Day, uh, be a good husband, right? I was, I was like, you know, Sweetie, what do you want? What do you want for, for lunch or dinner? Like, I I will make it. And her response was five guys. Now, I don't know if that's a reflection of my cooking. But when she said five guys, I did ask, like, are you serious? Because that is like some of the sweetest words I've ever heard you ever say. If you've never had the Cajun fries, oh my goodness. Well, that's what she said she wanted. I'm like, okay. And if you don't know this about Five Guys, there's other restaurants, but uh, they have an app where, I mean, I know some of you, and again, this is, it's a rookie move. You showed up and you ordered there. It's a rookie, rookie, rookie. You can order on the app, pay on the app, and when you show up, they've got your burgers done, and when you show up, you're like, hey, I'm here. They're like, cool. We'll cook your fries right now. They cook the, your fries right then and there, and then you're, you sit down and eat. You didn't even have to wait. It's awesome. And, and many restaurants are like, why would you wait? You, you can pre-order, and when you show up, we'll just be like, here you go. Now, do you know why they're doing this? Because you and I are demanding that they do this, or we don't do business there. Amazon's been doing this. They changed the entire game. We're like, used to be a day if you ordered something. It's like, yes, in two to four weeks, you will receive whatever you've ordered. And they're like, and because, because you and I are demanding faster and faster and faster and faster, they're like, we can get it to you mm, tomorrow. If you live in a big city, it's like, today? Is today okay? Can we, can we drone that thing to you? Right? And then Netflix? Or many other things that have been like, you know, there used to be a day where you're like, you watched one episode of a series and then you had to wait till next week to watch that show, and then you always got interrupted by commercials. Netflix is like, no, uh, people want it right now on demand, right? And they changed the game. Now, listen, listen, listen. None of those are bad. Some of you are like, are we not supposed to use any of those things? Is that, is, no, no, I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just telling you it's revealing. 
That you and I are living in an on-demand world. And if you think, if you think you can live on demand in certain things, and in other things, turn it off where you are not on demand, you are wrong. You and I will fight temptations in a relationship to demand, demand, demand. Parents are doing this to principals and teachers nowadays. Where they show up and it's not about their kid getting educated, it's about the, the parent getting what they want, and it's just demand, demand, demand. Many of us are doing this to God. Where we think the reason God exists is to provide us with the life that we've always dreamt of having. And we've actually begun to treat God on demand. That's, that's dangerous. In fact, let me show you what's at risk. Consistent self-gratification makes selfishness hard to resist. It takes you into a, a way of thinking that you're like, well, if I can get my movies and shows right now, my food right now, if I can get whatever I want right now, then everyone should do what I want right now. And do you see the selfishness that begins to ooze out to where you and I begin to live a lifestyle of just living that way where every person we meet, every environment we go into, we think it's about getting self-gratification. It's dangerous. No one likes a selfish person. We're dangerously all becoming selfish people. And so the request gets made to Jesus, um, here's his answer. It's brilliant. But Jesus answered by saying to them, you don't know what you're asking. Amen. Right? Like, so you want to be like ultimate authority? Hmm. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? And then their answer, oh, come on. Oh, yes, yes, we are. We, we're able to do whatever you've got in mind. Jesus Jesus knew that they actually would face persecution, the bitter cup. But can we just stop for a moment? Would Would you be vulnerable enough and honest enough to say that some of the things that you and I are going after, we can't actually handle? Many of the requests we're making and demands that we're we're pushing on people. If we backed off and saw ourselves for a little bit, we'd be like, oh, oh no, you, you'd tell yourself to stop. Huh. In fact, I think this got so intense. This is my, this is my understanding of what happened. Jesus is like, uh, we got a major problem going on right now. If I'm getting asked that, we have issues. So then the Bible tells us that he's like, he circles the disciples up. He's like, well, uh, we need a little, little coaching moment here. Um, <laughs> Here's what he says. But Jesus called them together and said, you, you know that the rulers in this world lorded over the people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Stop. If you call yourself a Christian, I wonder if you're different. Some of you are like, well, yeah, I don't do some of these things and I don't indulge in No, 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 no. Are you different in the way that Jesus is about to say? But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. Is that your current approach to life? (laughs) 
Don't, don't acknowledge that right now. You might lie in church. Is your posture when you go to work saying, I'm here to be your slave? I'm here to help whoever's here. I'm here to serve and serve and serve. That's why I'm here and that's why I want to be here is to serve. When you show up at home, are you excited about doing the dishes? Yeah. Doing the laundry, cleaning up people's messes? Or when someone says something to you in the wrong tone or the wrong way, are you excited about serving them, being their slave, going, I'm not going to respond to that? Do you see how many of us are like, I'm not living that way? And then Jesus says something so radical. It gripped him. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, I know many of us, have we've been in church, we're like, yeah, that's why I love Jesus. You've been called to the exact same lifestyle. So yes, appreciate and worship Jesus, but also transfer this into your life. When you show up, what are you there for? Takes us back to the fork in the road. Which way have you been going? I mean, I'll confess, there are many days that it's, it's this for me, where I'm thinking, I got a hill. I got my own hill. Let's go for it. <laughs> I, I, I've got this, I want to be about me, and there's things that I'm assembling and building, and even sometimes I, I'll say this is out of, out of responsibility. Yeah, but, but it's really selfish. Jesus said, you, you want to be one of my followers? You want to, you want to be someone who, who trusts me? Then go the self-sacrifice route. What if you and I showed up to our families and our workplaces and our, our friendships and really anywhere? What if, we, what if we went that direction? That's the direction Jesus has called us to. I thought about this some more, and, and here's the words that I would, I would, I would put it into. And I, I think this means something. Uh, if you're, if you're going to give your life to a hill, don't choose your own hill. I think that's what Jesus was saying. I think Jesus was saying, oh, you, you want a hill? Talking nicely to the mom and actually to the boys who were like, yeah, 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 say it, mom. You want a hill? You want your own hill? Hmm, how about this? Spend the rest of your life helping others on their hills. That's what it means to follow Jesus. And many of us are wrestling with something. And I'll tell you what you wrestle with, because I do too, and we all do. We're born with this, this, this need for relationship. Literally, God put it in you, a need to be with other people, to be in relationship, to have community with other people. And here's the problem. Many of us don't have that, but we have this need to be seen, this need to be appreciated, this need to be valued. But we don't have the people around us in ways that, that helps provide some of that. You, if you ever go, if you ever have days where you go home, and you're like, man, no one saw me, no one appreciated appreciated no one and you have this emptiness of that that's okay it's 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 a normal feeling if you've ever felt just the need for someone to be like I see you the problem is we're not managing that well in fact we live in a culture now that's saying that that need to be seen run after it demand it 
In fact, every environment you go into, make sure that people do see you. Make sure they do acknowledge you. That's our current culture where we think that the agenda in life is to be seen and you better fight for it, demand it, and press it on to people. And Jesus is like, no, that's actually not the best way to live. It's a genuine need. Here, resisting the need to be seen helps you see others. And many of us do not see other people right now because all we see is our hill. Maybe your hill has problems right now. Maybe you got some stuff breaking down, not going the way you want it to. And so you think your obligation right now is just to fight for your hill and demand your hill. I think Jesus would be like, all right, you got some problems, you got some issues. Okay, cool. Um, you need to take care of other people's hills. Maybe you're on the flip side, you're like, no, actually, everything's going pretty awesome right now. Everything's going great. Cool, take care of other people's hills. This is hard. In fact, let me show you something Jesus went after. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Sweet. Is that like everyone? Uh-huh. <laughs> and if you don't know what this is saying also, like Jesus was asked another time, hey, would you like summarize it all? And he gave us, he gave us two. And now he's like, well, he's even whittling us down to one. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, just as I have loved you, just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Currently, right now, what would someone who works with you say you're proving? Oh, that, what would your kids say you're proving? What would your roommate or your spouse say currently right now, based on your actions and your love, this is what you have proved to me? It's convicting to me. I don't know if it is to you. And you catch there, we're, just as I have loved you. If you don't know the two commandments, we're supposed to love God and love others. And here's what I think he's going to have to love Jesus well, love like Jesus. If you want to love others well, if you want to actually live this life in a way that, that your life is not all about your hill, then you have to love others. And it's fascinating to me that God put this together in a way. He's like, here's the best way to even love God is to love others well. Is to actually spend time seeing other people's hills, seeing their lives. But you know what we have to do all the times? Look beyond our own storm going on on our hill. And that's hard, isn't it? It's tough when your life's not ideal. It's tough when everything's going perfect and you're just like, I think everyone else's life is going perfect. And it, all, it draws us to this place that i got to ask you a question and you might think I'm being sarcastic. I'm not. In fact, some of you might even think it's oversimplistic. If you want to walk with God, live for God, if you want, I think, what I would call the full and satisfying life that Jesus talked about, i got to ask you a question and you have to come up with an answer. Don't say it out loud. Here's the question. Do I care? Slow down on your answer. Do I care? Most of us immediately are like, yes, I do. Can you prove it? I think what Jesus often would answer people's questions that were self-serving, right? Self-gratification. 
Most of the questions asked of him were, were typically about the person asking the question. And he's like, I want you to live a different kind of life here. I want you to be about other people, spending time helping other people, loving other people, because if you love them, it's a way of loving him. So I ask you, do you care? Is that what's stopping? Because many of us would answer yes, but I think the answer, the correct one would be like, maybe not. And if, you're like, if you land on, I don't care, let me help. Let me, let me walk you toward, you're like, I, I want to care. I think I should care. Caring is good. I told a story years ago about a guy named Father Damien. Uh, at one moment in his life, he went to basically kind of be like a missionary to Hawaii, which just out myself, I've asked God many times if I could be a missionary in Hawaii. Uh, except years ago in Hawaii, one of the islands was not good. One of the islands was actually a place of exile. If you had contracted what was called leprosy, a disease that you would eventually take your life, you would die because of it. It was considered incurable, and it was so contagious that if you got it, you got basically shipped off to this island. Father Damien said, I'd like to go there and tell people who Jesus is. Now, I don't know how you'd do that. Maybe you'd show up to the island and be like, my house is going to be here. All of you are going to be over there, and I'm going to send notes. I mean, I'm just trying, I'm trying to be honest with you. Like, how would you approach this? Because if you approach it too closely, you are in danger of getting what they have, which means you're, you're doomed. It's worth telling you that Father Damien decided not to live over here, but to live amongst them. One of the things he did messes with me every time I tell a story. It was a place of chaos, this island was, obviously. People went there to die, and that's it. It was chaos. No one cared about the people when they went there. It just was a mess. It was total mayhem. It was a mess. People literally, depression, but even just acting out, is chaos. And one of the things is people would die out of this disease, right? They would die because of the disease, and people would just be like, whatever. We just leave the person there. One of the things Father Damien did... He started making coffins for them and would make sure that they would get buried with respect. They estimate that he built over 2,000 coffins for people. When he would talk to them, he would not be like this. In fact, he was known to even occasionally bandage wounds for people as he would talk to them about Jesus. He would preach to them, amongst them. And one day, he got up in front of them, and it was time for the sermon. And he started off the sermon. Here's what he said. He said, we lepers. And they're like, we lepers? He had gotten leprosy because he had been so close to them. So he became one of them. He cared. Now, I'm not suggesting that you and I have to do that. I'm suggesting that you and I need to examine whether you and I actually care about anyone and everyone. 
I know it's something that you and I both would say, we should care. Caring's important. The world needs more caring. Perhaps you're even critical of, of tweets and, and other things being said across social media, and you're like, that's not nice. Maybe you've been at work where you're like, you shouldn't say that, shouldn't do that. Maybe you've seen other people do things that you're like, that's not good, that's not caring. Let's not be the kind of person that is making observations and, and saying, here's what I think about that. Let's be people that are proving that we do love others and that we love God. It's not complicated, but it is sacrificial. So I ask you, do you care? I hope so. But if you're like, I'm not sure I want to, let me, let me help you take baby steps. If you struggle caring, start contributing. If you're like, I don't know if I care like really about people, maybe a person you're like in the midst of someone's problem as you're trying to help them, you're like, I don't think they should be in this problem. In fact, I have a way to solve it. Okay, okay. <laughs> If you struggle, just start contributing in some way. Start saying, you know, you don't have to come up with some master plan, a business plan, an entire nonprofit, saying, i got to put this together and do this and then make a big difference. I'd say start contributing somewhere. And guess what you and I have as a gift? This week, last weekend was significant for Katie and I. Last weekend was our 11th anniversary of, of being in South Dakota. And we love being here and hope that it becomes a 12th anniversary and a 13th. Well, we'll skip the 13th. We'll just go to the 14th. And, and I'm just joking. I remember when we moved here. Uh, the, it wasn't long after we moved here that I met the director of the Red Cross uh, that individual uh, was, was new to town as well, and so we kind of connected and talked. To, he had a new job, I had a new job, and so we just talked and, and, and called each other, and sometimes had lunch at Wendy's and stuff like that, and just kind of really just getting to know the community, but getting to know each other. And I remember one day, he called me, he said, hey, will you come meet me? I'm at one of our work sites, and I'd like, just like to show you the work site. I was like, all right. Drove over to the work site. When I pulled up to the work site, I saw his vehicle, but I also saw another one. It was a 15-passenger van with a trailer connected to it with the name of uh, some Baptist church out of Texas. Like, I wonder what that is. Why is a church here from Texas? And I asked my buddy, I was like, hey, what, is that, does that have anything to do with you? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Churches from all over the nation come up to Rapid City every year and do missions trips to Rapid City. I'd never lived in a place where churches from all over the country came to, to do missions trips, raised money, left their families for a week or two, and came to Rapid City. Got my car, and it was time to go home, so I went home, and I don't know how God speaks to you, but he often speaks to me in my thoughts. And I felt like he was asking me, like, are, are, are you gonna lead a kind of church? that does missions trips to the city that the church is in. And it wrecked me. I was like, wait a minute. If there's churches from all over the nation coming to our city to do missions trips, well then our church who actually lives in the city and lives and operates and functions and goes to school and thrives in our, should we not do missions trips? Yes, to Africa and to South America. And yeah, yes, yes, we should do that. But should we not serve our own community? Should we not get involved in the areas around us? Why does a local church need to skip its own city and go somewhere else? 
And it's from that point on that we started what was called Love Week. Where we're like, we don't know how to do this. We were clueless. In fact, we asked people and they'd be like, you're a church, no way, no way. And I've told you many times, the only way we got them to let us help, we brought them donuts. <laughs> Finally, they're like, hmm, you can come more often. Eventually, the schools would let us help them out. If you don't know this, we've redone many of the teacher workrooms, painted many of the hallways. We've gone to many nonprofits. We've gone to people's homes. We have helped. We have helped. And it's not for good uh, publicity. We don't call the paper. (laughs) It's because Jesus said, here's how to do it. Go be people's servant. There's no fundraiser. When you and I give to this church, it helps fund Love Week. Whatever you and I give as we give it, we're able to use that to do the projects. So let me, let me push something over to your side. Wherever you live, if you call this place your home, are you contributing? I hope you are. I challenge you to contribute. And we've tried to, uh, on a nice little tee, <laughs> set it up for all of us to contribute this week in some way, financially, physically, whatever way you, both... But let's be a church that is not blind to our own community. Let's be a church that says we start with where we are planted and then we go out. That's the kind of church I think Jesus intended us to be. So I challenge you, contribute. Be someone's servant this week. Let me pray for you. God, I'm just going to be direct with you. I've been talking to you about this for a while. God, would you give us your favor this week? God, would you, would you provide the, the means to be able to do the projects that are planned? God, would you provide the people to do the actual projects? God, would you convict us as a group of people that yes, other states and nations are important, Anyone and everyone has value, but God, would you convict each one of us in our soul that our region matters to you as well? God, would you use us to fight for other people's hills? Would you use us to help people know who you are? Do the supernatural with this week, Lord. Multiply the efforts that are done. We give you glory. We're not in this for ourselves. God, we give you glory for whatever is accomplished this week. We do it in your name and for you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.